Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You have to be a voice. You have to push back. Bring a care partner along. You need a wingman, especially when you get a life-altering, life-limiting, earth-shattering diagnosis. No questions asked. You need to have somebody by your side. From Offscript Media, I am Matthew Zachary, and this is Out of Patience. Get ready to learn a lot on today's show. For example, did you know that there are board-certified patient advocates? You heard that, and it's not what you think. It's better. Joining me to discuss this and oh so much more is Dr. Grace Cordovano, the CEO of Enlightening Results and the co-founder of Unblock Health. You know, I'm at my best when I feel like I'm the dumbest guy in the room by learning things I had no idea about, and this is that conversation, and I hope you take away as much as I did because it's just so damned revelatory. What Grace and I share most in common is our collective hill to die on, that being guaranteeing that every patient has the access, navigation, and dignity they deserve to be in charge of their own outcomes. We also take egregious umbrage against anyone using the term health innovation because it's usually just a bunch of bullshit to justify someone's business card. Enjoy the show. This show is going to be graceful. See what I did there? Bad dad joke. But I'd like <laughs> this to be the professionally grown worthy conversation I think everyone's expecting it to be when someone like you talks to someone like me. Grace, thanks for coming on Out of Patience. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled. I was really enamored by your backstory. And obviously, LinkedIn can only do so much to explain who a person is beyond the crispy outer M&M shell. But our mutual friend, Jen Haran Jeff, shout out to Jen, uh, speaks very highly of you. I think only highly of you because it's hard to not speak highly of you. And, oh. you know, this I, we were joking before the show, like, this is the longest time coming to have this commune between the two of us. And I, I wanted to start the conversation by just asking you point blank, what is the hill you're dying on? Mm -hmm. So as you may know, I'm a board certified patient advocate and I get lots of questions. What does that mean? So I'm a patient advocate by profession. I have committed to doing this professionally. I'm board certified. There's an international credentialing option to take. And I have my own practice called Enlightening Results. And my day-to-day -day is working with patients and their loved ones from point of diagnosis through survivorship or end-of-life care planning, making sure they can navigate their diagnosis in the oncology space, which is my first love, as well as the chaos and fragmentation that is called our healthcare system. You were kind, I'd say dumpster fire, but go on. 
<laughs> you know, I wish I could reply in GIFs because I find myself being able to verbalize a lot of things through gifts. So if we can, we can come up with a way to do that. I would love to, because dumpster fire is one of my favorite <laughs> gifts. It's just, it's a universal term. It's like math and music. Everyone knows exactly uh -huh. what it means. So let's talk about that because credentials, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I've been coming from the world of quote unquote patient advocacy, but you're talking about a, like a certified, almost pedagogical subspecialty. So I grew up as a kid navigating healthcare, just to give you some backstory, so I can appreciate being a patient advocate, just being a voice for yourself, your family, and your local community. Uh, my backstory is my family immigrated here from Poland, and I, while I was born here, I did not speak any English when I started school. Once I got the hang of speaking English, I naturally became the go-to kid to attend all doctor appointments, healthcare encounters, hospital visits, the pharmacy, because there was never a Polish translator anywhere. I remember being about 12 years old with my encyclopedia trying to translate word for word what the heck was going on, and I naturally became an advocate. But as time went on, I realized that if I really wanted to make a difference, I mean, there was expenses and costs, significant costs that came along with this. And I really wanted to do this professionally. I wanted to take this seriously. And when the opportunity came that this credential of board certification came around a few years ago, I jumped at the chance to polish some skills and take the tests to be recognized as upholding the apex of ethics and, and thoroughly understanding what our healthcare system entails to be successful in patient care. Yeah, I, I, I keep wanting to unpack this even more because I'm fascinated. And coming from this world of, well, I'm a patient advocate because I started a nonprofit and because I did this and I changed the policy and I talked to the FDA and I did this thing. But you're talking about the actual human experience being the handrail, being the the, uh, the the greeter in the shit happens store being the mm -hmm. human being that kind of I think the word that I used was uh, the human intervention that mm -hmm. people need when bad things happen. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you described it. And it's one of the reasons like I'm sitting forward in my chair because I'm so excited by the way that you describe that because it really nails it. What I love being able to do is be there when someone gets an earth-shattering diagnosis and they're truly lost. And I, uh, in 2008, was misdiagnosed with advanced lymphoma. And it took um, a little over four months at Sloan Kettering to be poked, prodded, tested, imaged, failed biopsies, inconclusive biopsies, surgery, uh, waking up in isolation for potential tuberculosis, and finally being told that it was a misdiagnosis and a fungal infection that I had acquired on my honeymoon. I was fortunate to walk out of a cancer center of excellence without having cancer. Um, I've navigated from numerous family members, and I'm the primary caregiver of my mom, who's a breast cancer survivor. So I, I had every privilege afforded to me at that time of having this misdiagnosis, PhD in biochemistry, speaking English. I worked in Manhattan a few blocks from Sloan Kettering. I had a job that allowed me the flexibility to go to every appointment, work remotely, take as much time off as I needed, fully supportive team behind me, and I still couldn't do it. It brought me to my knees. And it was an article that I read in the newspaper that talked about patient advocacy as a profession, and it was as if all my stars had aligned at that time and that this was what I wanted to do. All right. Two reactions to that. First and foremost, congratulations on speaking proper English, having come here, learning none. But I, I, I want to talk about <laughs> my, my, 
my mother's mother, my paternal grandmother, came here on a boat fleeing the Nazis in 1939 uh, at the, mm-hmm. in her early 20s, I think mid-20s. And she died at 97 in perfect health, never learning to speak English. So wow. kudos to you because on her deathbed, she's like, 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 like it was Yiddish, right? Like you've mm-hmm. been in this country how long? And like, anyway, kudos to that. But the second thing is, you know, you, you have the best cancer diagnosis result ever because it was a cancer misdiagnosis. And That's yet right. you had this crazy shock to the system and am I dying moment, correct? Absolutely. I mean, my husband and I spoke about, you know, uh, when, when this happens, uh, you should definitely get remarried. I, I want to be cremated. I don't want a funeral. We went through all the motions. Is there like some kind of large blunt instrument you can use in a kind of like a under the table way to let those people know they made a huge mistake in messing with your mind? No, because here's what I will say. My bigger concern is what if I didn't go to Sloan? What if I didn't ask for the second opinion? What if I wasn't a royal pain in the rear end and kept asking all of these questions and reading and researching? What about the people that don't do that? What about the people who don't speak English? What about the people who just nod along and go along with their doctor? What happens to them? They get treated. They get buried in bills that they can't afford. They have a complication. They die. What happens to those people? And that's really part of the hill that I want to die on you have to be a voice. You have to push back. You need to find a partner in your care. Bring a care partner along. You need a wingman, especially when you get a life-altering, life-limiting, earth-shattering diagnosis. No questions asked. You need to have somebody by your side. I've had so many conversations about this with Jen, with Christine, with a bunch of the names that I'm name-dropping because they've been guests on my mm-hmm. show. Is it that easy to just be your own advocate? Because someone like you, someone like them, you're born with chutzpah. It's just part of your DNA. We talk about social determinants of health, right? I was born predetermined with chutzpah baked into my DNA. Not everyone has that. So not everyone can even think to know what they don't even think to know when bad things happen and everything goes Charlie Brown teacher. You're talking about this this notion of a magical fairy wingman when most people don't even know they could or should have one, let alone where to find one. That's the gap. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that that's the whole problem. I, I think people need to know that They don't need this permission. They don't need permission to ask a question. You need to bring someone. You need to start asking questions. I find it funny that people will hit the internet and hit their phone hard whenever they're waiting, right? You're waiting at a traffic light. There's people on their phone. You're waiting for the bus. You're waiting for your coffee. People are researching, reading, reading, reading. When it comes to your healthcare and your life, it's just as important. Find a dot. Connect with one dot. Find another patient on Facebook, find another patient on Twitter, find an advocacy group, start asking questions, start somewhere. Do not sit there and just nod. Everyone can do it. Ask for a patient navigator. Any patient that comes to me that I cross paths with, while I've been told this is not good business and it's not sustainable, I don't really care. I don't turn anybody away. I find that most people just need to be connected to their next step and know which questions to ask. And once you've achieved that, you're able to keep going. Once in a while, I'll hear back from another patient and say, you know, I need a little more help. What I find is once you've helped one patient, they will then go and help someone else. It's a complete domino effect, which I love. How do we separate the terms patient navigator and clinical care coordinator with your practice of certified patient advocate? 
Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So hospitals have patient advocates, insurance companies have patient advocates, but their job primarily is to help you within the hospital or within the insurance company to keep their costs down. You have to follow the money. My priorities are 100% behind the patient's priorities and their agenda. Now, that being said, there's some fantastic nurse navigators, fantastic patient navigators at local hospitals that do an amazing job. However, they work within the framework of what the hospital allows them to do and requires them to do. I'm here picking up phone calls at 2 a.m. when the patient may be sleeping and their spouse is crying because they don't really know what else to do. I'm here holding the hand when, you know what, they have to fill out the advanced directive or put in a do not resuscitate. I'm here for every single step and conversation and tear that's shed. Sometimes nothing is even said. It's just silence sitting in that grief. And then we muster up the courage and figure out what the next steps is. So I have this humbling privilege to do the work that I do because I get to see a space of healthcare and a spectrum of healthcare that many people don't get to in one continuous spectrum. I'm going to keep putting words together that maybe were never put together before, but it's kind of like a docent meets an empath meets a social worker meets, meets just like a next door neighbor. I like that. I'll go with it. And a puppy and a little bit of glitter. Can we add that? <laughs> yes. Okay. And a glitter gun for sure. Or, or a glitter bomb. Glitter yeah. bombs. You need glitter bombs. Yeah, absolutely. You love glitter bombs. All for glitter bombs. So, we need more glitter in healthcare. I actually have brought them to talks. Leave a little sparkle wherever you go. And if there's any place that needs more sparkle, my God, is it healthcare? I was going to say Rip Taylor or Rip Torn. Who's, who's the old comedian that would like throw glitter around? I think it Rip Torn. I'm dating myself. Very dating dating myself. Or maybe that wasn't uh, when I was speaking English. That's a a possibility. (laughs) Again, going back to unpacking things, you mentioned that, you know, there are credentials. I'm going to go back to credentials. Who sets the credentials? You said you, you found out that this is a thing you want to join. You want to be a part of it. Where did those come down from? And what are the specific sets of criteria or or continue education units, like how does it work? It's not mm-hmm. going to nursing school or social worker degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are great questions, thank you. Uh, so I started my journey, so my background is a PhD in biochemistry of metabolic disease. So I have a PhD and master's in that, and then I've done my little bit of organic navigation that that happened through my, my family and, and all the language barrier complexities. But then I stumbled across looking at professional patient advocates, and there's an organization called the Alliance of Professional Health Advocates, AFA, A-P-H-A, and it was this fantastic group of people spearheaded by their founder, Trisha Torrey. And I learned so much from this group about being business savvy and strategic and ethical and professional. So those are all things they don't really teach you in academia and in science. They don't teach you anything about that. So I had to brush up on those skills. And then it's morphed into that this patient advocacy profession has taken storm and there's a separate group called the Patient Advocate Certification Board, who has created an internationally recognized credential. And it tests you on, I believe it's 12 core competencies on everything about our healthcare system and navigating patient care, patient experience, patient safety, the payer system, and sticky situations. How do you ethically handle different types of scenarios professionally, respectfully, and upholding an apex of ethics.
back with our guest after the break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so for this part, I want to start with another weird pop culture reference, which goes back to the movie Incredibles, because he was an insurance person who had to uphold like all the ridiculously corporate bureaucracy crap. And this this older woman comes into the office to ask him that she can't afford this. And he tells her all these like sweet little loopholes and like, don't fill this form out and don't break it to Shirley and don't go to the fourth floor. And she winds up getting all that she wants. And of course, he gets fired for it. Is that kind of what you do as well as this squiggly little loophole kind of life hack person? See, this is why I had to go professional because I think I would get routinely fired from everywhere. I'm all about hacking and finding the loopholes because there's tons of them. And here's the thing, you know, as professionals, look at LinkedIn, look at our conferences. We have professional spaces where we can go to dinners, or at least we did pre-COVID and now we're reinventing that and re-engineering that. But there's places for us as professionals to swap stories, hacks, where you can rub elbows with somebody else. How can you get ahead? Where's the competitive intelligence? What do you need to do to, to increase your margins by this? Where do patients go to hack healthcare? There is no place for us to go and maybe a Facebook group, but we know that those aren't secure and what, what happens in those groups isn't necessarily private. We need to do a better job of allowing patients to hack the system. So for me, that's all about my advocacy work. I'm a firm believer in helping patients hack the system by sharing practices, sharing lived experiences, share where you went to navigate this. How did you hack that insurance denial? I mean, if I could, my hacking system, my ideal would be creating a ways for healthcare, which, you know, in ways for healthcare, how they report the police speed trap or yeah. there's a broken car in the shoulder. You know what? We treat every patient as if they're the first one walking this planet with a diagnosis, which in most cases is not the case. So we give someone a advanced lymphoma diagnosis and they're like, all right, here, cool. You got to go do this. 
there's steps that every single person takes. If I could just plug in that diagnosis and it's gonna tell me, well, you know what? You're gonna need imaging and your insurance company is most likely gonna deny it. Get a copy of your medical records or you're going to be so sick on day three of treatment. Make sure that you have a plan in place and a bucket nearby and a friend that can come and check on you to make sure that you haven't fallen over or, or passed out in your bathroom. These are all lived experiences that we're not capturing to help hack. And all of these hacks in one place would transform healthcare. I love the life hack model. And that's really what, you know, we, in survivorship, we talk about how do you get by doing this when bad things happen and you learn from your peers, which mm -hmm. is ideally complementary to learning from academia and medicine and biology, because you have to live your life anyway, no matter what happens. And you want to live your best life. You want to live your best life, no matter what your circumstances are. Right. It should be like what's most important to you should be how you accomplish what you want to get done on your terms, right? On your terms. So this sounds really wonderful and it sounds like a desperate need. Clearly, this is not something insurance is going to get behind because there's never going to be a billing code for what you're doing, right? And actually, I don't want to, I, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I don't want to be covered by insurance because then I have to operate by the framework that the insurance company dictates. And we all know very well that many of the things that insurance companies do cover aren't necessarily what's best for the patient. So then how do we clone you? How do we scale you? How does this become economically I viable? I love this one. And actually, I'm actually approached with that question in I would say in a demeaning way, like, well, you know, your work is not scalable. So this is where my consulting comes in. I love partnering with companies in the digital. I am so pro digital tech and digitizing the patient experience and automating all of the manually redundant poor workflows that patients have to face and their loved ones have to face. Um, we could probably sit here and record at least a week's worth of all the things that could be automated. So I try to consult with companies that are really serious about helping patients live their best life where they are by using technology and empowering the care partners too. Um, not every company has those interests at heart. I'm fortunate to work with a number who do have those interests. And for me personally, uh, that's my business strategy to scale as well as constantly mentoring new and up and coming advocates, trying to promote the profession, trying to help bring more patients and care partners into the space. And I love also the work that Jen Haranjeff is doing with Savvy Cooperative because we need to bring more patients, more lived experiences to the ecosystem and tip the balance. I mean, I, I can't help but think that there's a long game around this profession in that there are potential productivity gains and measurable health economic outcomes that this is a cost savings measure without delving into insurance, you know, being the big bad oversight lord that make everything terrible. To that extent, have you worked with when you work with clients or companies or businesses? Is this I, I struggle to think a company would hire someone hoping none of their employees actually get cancer. But if you're navigating them through like HR benefits and what they're at the mercy of when they signed up for the job, does that play into this as well? Absolutely. So again, no one is taught to be a professional patient. There's no course or degree or a webinar in it. So no one's taught how to do this. And here you get a, an earth shattering diagnosis and you're supposed to just figure it out. We're so specialized in all of the different features of our healthcare system, it's, it's virtually impossible to try to navigate it alone. There's definitely cost savings because um, I've been doing this personally and professionally for over 20 years. There's a way to do this. And you live and you learn. And as you know, as a patient, there's best practices that you can easily share where someone that's just starting out would never know. So you want to give them the competitive edge. And I, it would be silly not to embrace 
those practices to give people a competitive edge so that they can pursue their care as quickly as possible. I'll tell you where there is definitely a benefit. It's really at end of life. We're very taboo about talking about death and end of life care planning and end of life wishes and advanced directives. And that's a lot of what I do. I usually am the one that brings up these conversations and I'm the black sheep and the pink elephant at the same time in the room with the oncology team. Patients don't even know that they don't have to get a treatment, that they can opt for hospice, that they can include palliative care. And the quality of life is better when you have whole person care. You avoid the emergency room. You avoid the in and out of the ER, the in and out of hospital admissions, where you might spend the last six months um, in a hospital room as opposed to maybe uh, dying with dignity at home. So these are real conversations that not enough people are having. So I would say what's rewarding for me in the work that I do is bringing peace to a very difficult time and allowing people to make the right decision based on having the information they need. The hill I want to die on is consumer protection and healthcare. And I don't mean patient safety per se or insurance coverage mm -hmm. or cost of drugs. I talk about the fundamental desire that when bad things happen to you, you have the liberty of choice and dignity to do what's right for you. And it's an analog to exactly what you're doing. You, the, the idea of having, I'll go back to docent, empath, neighbor, social worker, best friend to help you figure this mm -hmm. out. She's the shit store greeter. Glitter and puppy. Glitter puppy shit store <laughs> greeter. Yes, that's our new band name. We're the glitter shit store puppy people. <laughs> Good night, Cleveland. Exactly. This notion of how you should have access to whatever's best for you when bad things happen is, is that tantamount, like quality of life being tantamount to quality of care. I do want to go back to some grown worthiness because of our disdain for the word transformation and innovation mm. with a quick, yeah, that was the perfect grown. I have a, a very 30 second anecdote. So one of the big pharma companies put together this like uh, contest where they challenge all the nonprofits to, to send them their ideas for free. And they called it innovation impact and mm. grown enough, grown enough, right? Like, like a year later, they realized that they didn't do it well because they didn't involve any patients and they changed the name. They changed the name from Innovation Impact to Impact Innovation. So wow, that's innovation right there. <laughs> Come on. You know, so I was uh, raised strict Roman Catholic and I know for a fact I will never, ever give up swearing in my life because <laughs> of the work that I do. Um, I've tried to give it up for Lent. It just doesn't work. And actually being on Twitter and being so heavily involved in the work that I do, um, it, it's just not going well. I, I try to keep myself polished and professional. But when you read the headlines and actually now, all okay, let's, let's gripe a little bit. But the headlines on transforming healthcare, lots of multi-billion dollar mergers, acquisitions, I am not impressed. We are still in the clinic using paper, clipboards, fax machines, pencils, and none of the information is flowing seamlessly. So until this is a priority and patient access is leveled and it's digitized, not impressed, guys. I feel like every time I go to any doctor and need a pen... I just want to shit myself and, and rip the place down. It makes no sense that we're in 2020 and we need pens at a doctor's office. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the poorly copied forms and intake forms that are crooked and grayed out on the page. Yeah. Love those. Yeah. Insane. I want to just want to round out the interview because I think the catalyst that got us to decide we definitely need to, to have this conversation was because of the men in black. I'm sorry, not the men in black, the MIB. Yeah. 
Let's talk to our listeners about this MIB because I got mine and I want to talk about it after you give our explainer. Excellent. So as you may know, I'm the co-founder of Unblock Health because I loathe and despise information blocking when patients can't get all of the information and the transparency they need. So I literally almost, there's not too many things that shock me anymore. However, I did almost fall out of my chair um, when I found out that individuals have a right to request their free annual medical report from MIB or the Medical Information Bureau, which is a specialty consumer reporting agency. Never heard of this, and I'm an avid reader. So of course I did some noodling around. There's very little out in the public domain on this. Um, E-patient Dave uh, was familiar, which I'm not shocked because he's just amazing. But of course I went and, uh, so essentially they can create these, MIB can create a profile on your medical history and whatever information they can piecemeal together. It could be your driving habits, any arrests, any type of uh, quote unquote dangerous hobbies. So I of course also requested mine and there's also two other consumer reporting agencies, Optum Insight and Milliman. Um, those are more prescription based. So um, if you have an error here, so similar how you would request your credit report for help with financial planning or any, any sort of um, financial space work, you can request your medical report because this impacts what your insurance rates are for healthcare, for long-term care insurance, et cetera. So if there's something incorrect there, you can be charged in error um, significantly. I was really disappointed because I did get mine and it says it has no information on me under my name or date of birth. So of course I dug in a little bit. Um, the terms are that it's within the past seven years. I do have chronic conditions. Um, they have nothing on me. They also said that maybe they don't have more info on me because maybe the insurance company that I applied to was not an MIB member. I did press further and ask, well, who are your members? Do you have any information on the members to make sure that nothing's missing on my end? Because I can't correct something if I don't know if it's complete. Um, they were not able to disclose what insurance companies are actual members. So it brings me sort of to a dead end and not the transparency that I need. I think Dave, and shout out to Dave DeBroncart, I think he posted something on LinkedIn in response to your article, which we'll link in the episode description, mm -hmm. that he reached out to these people and he got like a virtual knock on the door at 3 a.m. to leave them alone. Mm, see, yeah, um, again, going back to the swearing issue, it's, it's a big problem. Yeah. And yet you didn't swear. You just said this. <laughs> it's a bunch of bullshit. We'll say it that way. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, I'm a I'm a Petri dish of like uh, Jenga with all the crap I've been through in my life. And I got my report and it surprisingly only has like three of the 40 things that's wrong with me. So I kind of feel like I got I got in the clear a little bit that if they're going to be judging me based on the the Frankenstein level of stitching that's been done to keep me alive all these years, uh, it ain't that bad. So I, I, I did feel a little judged, though, like, how dare they know this about me? And yet it's a credit score for your body. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Out of all of the things, so I, I asked if I could see longitudinal. They can't do that. Um, so they may have info, but they're just not required to disclose of it. But what if you improved on some of your health conditions? So shouldn't you get extra bonus points for that? 
So why, why again, going back to the whole healthcare ecosystem and the economy of healthcare, um, even if you do improve your health and you are surviving and thriving and doing wonderful things like these podcasts to bring awareness, shouldn't you get points for that? I guess no one cares, but I do. I think we all do. Dr. Grace Cordovano is the CEO of Enlightening Results, LLC, and the co-founder of Unblock Health and... I would say someone who likes to curse but doesn't. So congratulations and thank you for coming on Out of Patience, the first of many shows we shall do right here. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for today, folks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Jen Horanjeff and Andrew McDowell. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.